Welcome to the Sun Dried Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host and creator, Anthony Ozo. And if you're watching on uh, YouTube, you can find the audio only version of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Please follow, download, and subscribe where applicable. For those listening to the audio version, I do have this video version on my Sun Dried Tomatoes YouTube channel. So you can also go there as well and subscribe and check out. Uh, some of my other shows that will feature sports, brewing, you know, food, music, pretty much anything. Sports is a big thing, but but I also have other shows, including Random Reactions, which I also do on IGTV, uh, which just is about different news stories uh, throughout the week. Uh, some other videos I have on the NFL draft that just happened, and I, I'll hope to do that every year. Some European football or soccer for those in the United States. Uh, some videos on that stuff as well, including a few of my original series, Legends of the Diamond, where I talk about some of the greatest ball players of all time that weren't allowed to play in the MLB from the late 1800s uh, through the early mid 1900s. And uh, my other show, Brewing the Facts, where I show you my process of home brewing a raspberry jalapeno wheat ale and also talk about some interesting beer facts, uh, such as brewing in medieval times and the origins of beer pong. I also have a new fantasy football show with a little bit of a twist uh, that is coming out right now every Thursday until the end of the fantasy football season. It's called The Quest for the Green Bowl, The Shadows of Chaos, and I'm sure that intrigues you. Uh, learn about how my league, my actual league, is faring uh, throughout the year, and also check out my epic sci-fi post-apocalyptic theme where we've all been transported into the future to win an ancient relic our trophy in order to save the world from chaotic living shadows uh today i'm joined by a special guest uh, my cousin austin monaco genshaw who's currently a junior at flagler college in saint augustine florida he's majoring in english with a minor in philosophy what's going on man uh, uh thanks for coming on the show having me i've been wanting to get on so it's glad to be here thank you yeah for sure so austin here uh for for a little bit of background he's uh he's my younger cousin of course uh he's also a green bay packers and wisconsin badgers diehard fan uh for the nfl and college football respectively uh he obviously grew up in chicago as i did um so he's also a chicago white Sox fan of course and you know hopefully they they stop losing the teams like the angels soon <laughs> But, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, when, when he was younger, we used to talk a lot of sports at family holiday parties. Uh, uh, Austin even pulled me into a room once uh, to show off his freestyle skills. So maybe he'll freestyle for you all today. I don't know. That's up to him. <laughs> uh, Austin obviously <laughs> still follows a lot of sports. Uh, he's even dabbled uh, in some illegal gambling. So he knows a lot of different things. Uh, you know, maybe he'll give some pointers to people as well. But uh you know, today I want to discuss a couple of things, mainly some college football and NFL, since those seasons started earlier this month. For us, during this recording, they pretty much just started with only uh, one game for the NFL, a couple games for college football. While you're listening to this, a couple other games will have happened, but we'll try to keep up. Plus, uh, MLB playoffs are obviously right around the corner. We'll discuss a little bit about that uh, with our favorite team, the White Sox, as one of the contenders. Let's hope that they could actually do something. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, uh, you know, I did want to touch on uh, something that, uh, you know, some of us might have nostalgia for uh, some of us, some of you who are younger might be also in college. But I wanted to talk about college life because, uh, you know, there's some interesting things I think a lot of people don't understand about, uh, you know, the 
sort of getting used to it. And it's obviously could be very fun. It could be challenging, all kinds of things like that. Uh, you know, I, I also think when you're in college, you always seem like you're the demographic. Nobody understands except uh, maybe your closest friends. So, you know, I, I want to get there. I, I personally went to the University of Wisconsin Whitewater. So that wasn't, uh, you know, that far away from where we grew up in Chicago, but St. Augustine is obviously much further away. Uh, so Austin, I do want to talk about, uh, you know, what was that like? You went from Chicago to Florida, obviously there's a big difference and maybe cultures and, and, you know, it is further away. So, um, you know, it, you can't just take like an, like, you know, two hour drive back. Like I used to at any point. So it, it, you, I'm guessing you have to plan that more, but, uh, you know, what's that like? And what uh, made you make the choice to, to go there? Yeah, I would say uh, the first most difficult thing was something you already said, right, was the cultural shift. I mean, that's completely the first thing you notice when you go from a big city to essentially a city with no skyscrapers, no buildings. 15,000 people is only the population. So, <laughs> you know, that's definitely, I think that also creates a different um, social and economic view. Uh, for the people that live here, the citizens, which was also something I noticed, you know, like in Chicago, uh, things in certain areas are a lot more flashy and, uh, you know, a lot of lights. We're here, it's, you know, a lot more um, standard, I guess. Uh, but as far as making the decision to come down here, I think it was more of, uh, you know, like when you grow up in the neighborhood, obviously we grew up in Bridgeport, but the city itself, um, especially with Chicago being a major city, it's easy to fall into a tendency to wonder or think that that's just the world, right? There's nothing really outside of the city that you grow up in, especially, like I said, with it being big. Um, so I think that going to college or just college period um, was a great opportunity for me to be able to go away and kind of broaden my horizons. Uh, Wisconsin and Midwest schools where obviously I, I could have went play baseball near there and that would have been nice to be close to family. Um, but I wanted to, kind of brought in my views. And I, so I went to Florida, I found Flagler um, through a writing, uh, I guess you wouldn't call it a trip, but it was like a convention-ish kind of thing. Okay. Um, and so they're a liberal, liberal arts school. And uh, I just felt like that would be a good place for me to kind of pursue my English major, which would be, um, I haven't decided on teaching or writing, but along the lines of that. Um, but it was a great opportunity to come here, obviously scholarships and money and all that stuff helps too. But um I just, I felt like coming down to Florida would really give me a chance to kind of grow up on my own. And so far it has. So, yeah, for sure. One of the reasons why I went to Whitewater is, uh, you know, to also get a little bit away from home, but I did, but you know, it was one of those things where it's like, did I want to go too far away? I just kind of chose Whitewater because, uh, um, one, you know, it was good for, for journalism and writing as well. Um, mm -hmm. so I was obviously like, and I hilariously, went to a creative writing convention in high school at Whitewater. And that's, I love the campus and, and thought that it was kind of cool. And, and I liked Wisconsin. So I was just like, Oh, this seems like a cool fit. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe sometimes I'm like, I wonder if I would have went somewhere, uh, you know, further away, uh, if that would have changed certain things. But uh, at the same time, like, I don't necessarily have regrets too. Like I, I, uh, I met a lot of cool people and, and, uh, it, it was, it was, you know, it was it definitely had a lot of fun times. And then I ended up in Madison afterwards, which was really fun. And now, you know, I'm in the Twin Cities. So it's like, it's not like I, I haven't had opportunities or anything like that. So, you know, Madison. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ma Madison for sure was, was real fun, you know, and uh, I still have friends there. So I definitely, uh, you know, once the 
pandemic winds down a little bit more, I'll, pro- I'll probably make more journeys down there. There's supposedly supposed to be a train possibly coming in the future as well, wow. which would which would be pretty sweet because not driving is obviously awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, a lot cheaper too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And what's hilarious is like, uh, you know, being in sports journalism, a lot of athletes I cover, uh, they'll mm. sometimes get offers all over the country, uh, D1 schools. Um, you know, and some of them choose not to go to D one schools because they know, okay, I'm going to get there, but I'm never going to play. I'm just going to like ride the bench and I want to play. So then they go D two D one, you know, uh, or NAIA just so that they get some experience and then maybe they can move up later if they wanted to. And to be honest, in a lot of like basketball and stuff like that, you don't really need to go to D one schools anymore. Um, or you could go to, you know, kind of smaller schools and still get far with what you're doing. Uh, but a lot of athletes like to stay kind of close to home. And, uh, you know, I always mm-hmm. thought that that was interesting. They, they wanted to stay close to home, so, um, you know, because they didn't want to be too away from too far away from family. And even though Whitewater isn't that far, it, it was kind of similar to you. I wanted to broaden my horizons, get out of the city, uh, meet new people and, and things like that. So, I mean, was that was it difficult for you, uh, you know, to be far away from home uh, at the beginning or did you just kind of get used to it right away? Yeah, that was I, I also want to mention because you mentioned a good thing about athletes staying close to home. And I think that if I were to have gone to play baseball, a lot of those D2 and three schools in the Midwest, they offer me because they know athletes like me or like my friends. Like that is something that they can appeal to. Right. Is you want to be close to your family. It's such a grind go through that season wake up early, go through class. And, you know, like you mentioned, I'm going to talk about being away from Florida. It becomes very difficult to be away from your family. So if I play sports, probably would have done your route too. But um, as far as Florida goes, yeah. I mean, to come to coming down here the first, my first year and a little bit of my second year, I mean, it was very challenging because, you know, I don't really have any family around me and the family that I do have is region states away. Um, so that was the first thing I really struggled with was being away from my mom, being away from my dad, yeah. um, not really being able to kind of unload on anybody. Um, yeah. So that that was the tough thing um, to kind of to kind of navigate through. But I think as time went on, you know, like I became you know good friends with my roommate. I met a couple of good friends through through like fancy football sports. Um, I met my girlfriend down here. So life, you know, got a lot easier as time went on. But at first, it was definitely challenging. There were times I doubted whether you know, I made the right decision, like you said, going far away. Um, but yeah. like I said, it all works out well. And I'm gl- I'm grateful for it. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I could totally see that, uh, you know, obviously, um, your, your mom, Laura, so I've always been close to her cousins and, uh, and, uh, you know, your dad was around a long time at, at uh, Nani's house and everything, our grandma's house. So, you know, we always had good conversations and everything. So I could totally understand too, not having someone to talk to when you need to, because there are, times when you're in college that uh you know things get tough or, or you go through some depressions or you know normal stuff that people don't necessarily tell you a lot about and to be honest uh the the kind of the, the college counselor kind of world and all that it's 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 not that good <laughs> like I, yeah, I, I i just absolutely. yeah that was that was that's the thing i wasn't prepared for right is they tell you college is hard like something you gotta adjust to it's not the same as high school but just that mental, like, you know, it, it's so heavy on your body. It's so hard to just get through the day. Yeah. I think that's what you struggle in the first year, right? Then it's not talked about enough. Absolutely. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, my first year, um, you know, I, di- I didn't get like bad grades, but I was definitely getting a couple of C's and I literally got straight A's in high school. So it was like a whole new thing. And, and a couple of the classes I got C's in, it wasn't necessarily that um, I wasn't going to do the work. It was that I was, it was hard adjusting to the different professors and the way they treat people. I thought some professors were, I wasn't in a clique or something. So like, I just wasn't treated the same. I'm a little bit more uh, introverted, especially in class. Uh, you know, like I'll, I'll join the conversation, but I'm not going to like forcibly just like raise my hand every question. You know, like I like to kind of sit in the back and listen and then I'll talk when I need to. And uh, sometimes professors didn't like that. Um, there were a couple classes I thought were actually too, too easy or too boring because they were just like slow. And uh, I, I was a little upset with some of that. And then there were classes that were di- difficult and it was kind of weird bouncing around all those things, you know, um, you know, and then uh, you kind of talked about how you met some friends and, you know, I did, I did want to get there as well. Cause obviously that helps with the adjusting. The, the other thing is they forced you to live in dorms at whitewater for the first two years. I actually got out before that you know, midway through my sophomore year. I just ate the, the, the money just cause I wanted to live in a house with my friends. I was just so sick of living in the dorms. The RAs were usually jerks. They're usually messing with you, you know, for no reason you could be super quiet having a couple of beers with your friends and they'd like call the cops on you and like cause a whole scene when they literally could have just been nicer about it. Or like, it's like, okay, cool. We're breaking the rules, but you have to be it like, you know, like an asshole. Like you didn't, you didn't really need to, but um, so like, I was curious about your living conditions, your, your first couple of years. And even now, like, and how you adjusted to that, because that, that is something you get, you get a roommate randomly that maybe you never met. Um, you know, so if, it's like I became friends with my roommate. It sounds like you did as well. Um, it would obviously be tougher if you didn't, but uh, you know, just uh, that whole situation, it's like a completely different kind of feeling, um, you know, living in the dorms and having to deal with different rules that uh, you might not expect because in Bridgeport, you kind of get away with whatever you want half the time, you know? Oh, exactly. Well, um, no, yeah, I was going to say uh, the the biggest difference I think was, having to follow rules right because yeah. you know you're my, my parents you know ex, you were talking about my mom right hard yeah. nose yeah well, of course growing up i had rules but it was more of like you know when you go to college like you said with the ras like a lot of times you know you're sitting watching a game having a few beers or sometimes i like to put music on just a little low when i'm writing or stuff like that yeah um, so it was difficult having to like adjust to everyone else's living conditions too right but the uh the room itself was like fairly big um for a dorm which you know i i wasn't uh really expecting i didn't know what to expect i guess the only time i'd ever really had dorm like living was when um i played travel baseball so when we were 12 we went to cooperstown new york and uh there you stay in a bunker with like your team and coaches so that was the real dorm life i had had um so obviously it was difficult like you know you're living with somebody so you got to watch it like when you shower or what things you leave out or things like that, like you got to get to know that person first. Yeah. Um, so I was a little uncomfortable, but I think once you break through that, you know, the living conditions kind of, you know, it is what it is. You don't, no one ever wants to live in a dorm, but yeah, I got to get through it. The second, my, my last year, the second year. Um, so the first year you stay at a freshman dorm. Oh, okay. Right. Which is right across the street from campus. But yeah, uh, my second year I stayed at, um, this place called FEC, which is kind of like a condominium. Um, and, uh, 
we were, I was, me and my roommate were up on the third floor, kind of overlooked the city. So it was a great view. Okay. Um, but I just couldn't stand dorm living. So I got out of there and I moved, <laughs> um, I moved into a, a house with some roommates, some friends. And, yeah. uh, and so that, that, that was the, the best case scenario. Cause dorm living. Yeah. Like you said, just ain't it. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, obviously when, when you get into a house, like, and now you could just kind of, I feel like uh, it allows you to, to, to grow up better. Like you're still having fun. You're still like younger. So, you know, I'm sh- like, we all do dumb things, but like, you know, when it comes to not being in in the dorm with those ridiculous RA roles, I mean, there, like I, there's a, there's a story I have of one RA, of course, wearing a Cubs hat, grinning at me with his white, he had like white teeth. Like he just whitened his teeth with a Cubs hat on. And he was literally grinning at me after I got, after they called the cops on us, even though we were completely quiet and literally not even, do, we were literally having like one beer, like watching a movie, like really quiet, like a couple of us. And, and like, you know, there was a little bit of drama with, you know, one of the girls that was there, she was all upset, like underage drinking team. We're just like, okay, whatever. And th- this guy's just dr- grinning at me with his Cubs hat. And I'm just like, are you serious? dude? Like, you know, it's like, it's like, is this what we're at? Like, you know, I, I just didn't understand the whole, like, why are we being policed? Like, we're like, you know, 13 years old. Like, you know, like, yeah, I think that's just like, right. Like, and there's at, at Flagler, there's certain times, right. You can visit, like you can't visit a person like in our dorm after like 9 PM or 10 PM. And yeah. I just thought that was so elementary. Like you said, yeah. and a lot of RAs, like they get off on that, like getting to like catch yeah. you not following their rules so yeah yeah the way the the way i saw it is a lot of the ras were um i don't know like what kind of living they had growing up or whatever but they seem to have it out for a lot of people you know like i'm gonna like show you like maybe they maybe they were bullied or made fun of when they were in high school or something but they they definitely had i mean there were definitely things where it's just like i literally didn't do anything and you like had to cause problems for no reason yeah Yeah, i know there should be some a little bit of different culture there but then you know people say oh you shouldn't have been underage drinking and it's like well whatever like you know and so like it used to be legal when you're 18 so i I don't everybody's culture is different and you know i understand like i'm not promoting underage drinking or anything (laughs) but you know, show me someone who didn't and I'll say they're probably lying, you know, <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah. so it, it, speaking of college stories, you got any, uh, you know, college stories you want to tell some, maybe some things that, uh, you'll always keep as a memory some, some crazy things that happen. You know, we all have, uh, some crazy stuff that, that goes down when we're in college, uh, things that maybe you never expect and, and it lives on an in infamy forever in your life, you know? Yeah, I think um, two things that I think I can remember. The first, obviously, being that, like, I went through COVID, right? So that was, like, going through college, like, through COVID was definitely something I don't think anyone has ever really experienced. Um, no. Just aside from school, just the virus itself. But yeah, um, learning to learn online, um, Zoom, right? I mean, yeah. this is how I learned what Zoom was. Uh, yeah. So. You know, I, 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 that was definitely um, a big change, right. Is like, cause I'm a, I'm kind of like you said, I like to sit in the back, hear everyone's perspective, because that's how I learn. I gain yeah. from hearing else, their ideas that bounce around and how the teacher replies to them or, you know, stuff like that. So not having that was really difficult. And then having to 
kind of what happens if I need to ask for help or what happens if, you know, I needed, um, like I had a paper due or something and, uh, now the technology is not working right now. I can't turn it into you in person. So, um, that was one thing that I think I'll always remember, right. Is going to college through COVID. Like that was, in, that's insane. Um, second thing I think, uh, was our first semester, I think of freshman year, it was kind of like the same thing you said. It was just me, my roommate and my buddy at the time, Liam. Just the three of us. Um, I believe there was a Thursday night football game on. I can't remember. So we were just around, um, just sitting in the room, kind of watching the game, playing video games, but having a few beers, um, playing music a little bit on the speaker. Uh, so after a while, actually, the RAs never ended up saying anything to us. So we got through the night just relaxing. But it gets to like, I had the, I had the day off. We had class off the next day, which was Friday. Yeah. Uh, so we were having a good time. And um, our sweet mate slides a like handwritten note from a notebook on underneath our, our door because we share a bathroom, right? You share a bathroom with your sweet mate. Yeah. Uh, he writes down that it's 3 a.m. We're making all this noise. No one is supposed to be up at this time. We're supposed to be asleep. He pays for his room. Like we don't pay for our room to be there either. <laughs> yeah. um, and he wrote down this long note just begging us to please st- uh, go to sleep i guess i don't i, I don't really know but that was outrageous <laughs> thing to me i like he's hand took took the time to turn on a light at 3 a.m to hand write me a note to tell me if i can turn down my music and stop drinking with my friends so <laughs> yeah the two things. yeah yeah i <laughs> no. mean we all have the like stories there are a lot of passive aggressive people and, and i think that's part of the one thing especially us, we're coming out of Bridgeport where it's just like, you know, our, our family has a party culture. So like, there's a lot of, a lot of partying, a lot of people gathering, hanging out on porches. Like it's like a whole thing. Uh, no yeah. one, really. there's not a lot of complaining really. Like no one yeah. complains, like, how dare you do these things? You know, everyone just kind of, Oh, you like, Oh yeah. That they're just hanging out. And, or it's like, or, you know, if someone came out and said like, Hey, like, can you just keep it down? Like, I got to get up. Like no one's causing problems. Like you're, you ask, you communicate, uh, in college, I definitely learned that, that, that was not real. <laughs> like there was a lot of people that just, it's very passive aggressive. I mean, besides the RAs being passive aggressive, there was just other, uh, instances, you know, and, uh, you know, besides all that, you know, we could go down a whole rant, but I want to get to more fun things than just that. So, you know, the, uh, I went to Wisconsin, of course, not far from Chicago, you know, obviously sports doesn't matter when you think about, uh, uh, the sort of rivalry that is, I actually kind of got away with that a little bit. Cause, uh, I already liked the Badgers, you know, I followed Northwestern a little bit too, but I also mm-hmm. followed Wisconsin a lot and was like already a fan and just became more of a fan when I went to Wisconsin. Um, I, I never really like, you know, like uh, a lot of our family obviously loves uh, the Chicago Bears and there'd be times when I'd watch it with them and, and whatever they get excited. You know, you kind of get excited with your family. But I, to be honest, didn't necessarily care about the Bears that much. Um, so I didn't really clash with Packers fans because I would just be yeah. like, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I kind of followed the Jaguars more than the Bears, <laughs> you know, so it's just like, you know whatever and then when it came to baseball uh since the brewers had moved to 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 the nl i was always like a truce with them like yeah beat the cubs i'll love you too (laughs) i'll root for the brewers all the time (laughs) you know the only time i won't is if we meet in the world series like (laughs) like, it's kind of the same now too um you know 
but uh, you know, yeah. for you, you had to go to, to Florida and that's a whole nother place. Um, I'm guessing that's a whole nother thing of fandoms and, and um, you know, people could be fans of many different teams. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how many f- people that in St. Augustine were just straight Florida fans, but, uh, you know, what, what was that like? Uh, you know, did you have any disagreements with people and, and, uh, you know, especially when it came to, to who to root for in certain games? Um, yeah, well, I mean, the first coming down here, the first thing I noticed is, well, a lot of kids don't technically come from where I come from to go to school here. So it's more of like an East coast. So, you know, there's a lot of like Red Sox, Patriots, you know, oh, okay. um, but as far as the Florida, like kind of culture with sports, it's very college football. I mean, they're diehard SEC down here, right? Yeah, so sure. Saturday is a big thing, like downtown and stuff. You know, all the bars are filled with Georgia and Florida, Florida State. So that's kind of kind of the mojo down here. But um, it was not really difficult coming down here, kind of talking NFL, because anyone who is really Jaguars fans, I mean, like he kind of mentioned poverty franchise. So, I mean, I didn't have much <laughs> thought really coming back to me, yeah. um, but uh, I think um, I had never really experienced college football the way I did until I came down here. Oh, I bet. Cause the sec isn't, it's uh, obviously everyone loves college football on there. It's kind of like a way of life. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and that, uh, that, that must've been a, a little interesting as well. Did you get any, uh, you know, Oh, you're a Badgers fan. The Big Ten is not even close to the SEC type things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My roommate's actually a um, he his uh, he was born in Alabama, so he's not a uh, bandwagon. I like to mess with him and say he is, but he's a diehard Bama fan before Saban. But yeah, uh, he tells me all the time about Big Ten and no offense and turnovers mm. and and <laughs> ten games in the third going into the fourth quarter. So yeah. <laughs> I've definitely a lot of SEC fans will give me give me uh, the stick for um, being a Big Ten kind of guy. So because it's not really football to them. Yeah, I bet because it's a whole nother world. But the thing is, is that the Big Ten usually gives us uh, the running backs and the offensive linemen and, um, you know, and, and, and there's some defensive guys that come out of there as well. Um, you know, so it's like uh, and, and they succeed in the NFL. A lot of them, I mean. Running backs struggled for a little bit, but, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon's still doing pretty good. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I guess it's not the same kind of football, but at the same time, when I see an SEC game and it's like 59 to 52, I'm thinking, (laughs) don't they play defense down there? (laughs) Like, what is that? Like that, that was another thing. Like, that's what I would always counter back with is like, how do you get into a game when you just know the other team's going to score every time? Like, it's just whoever gets the ball last. Like we're just gonna run it, we'll run it back against each other until the time just gets the zero. Yeah. So I don't know. There's no strategy really involved. We just sling it all over. But, yeah. Yeah. I actually think that that's why they don't necessarily have great success all the time against Big Ten teams, especially in the regular season. You know, the playoffs are different because uh, you usually have a couple of weeks to prepare. You know, but like when it's just a random regular season game. I mean, the Badgers have beat SEC teams and, you know, like obviously Ohio state has, and, and, you know, Penn state has, uh, has pushed some teams, you know, like they've definitely beat teams because once you're playing the big 10 style, the SEC has no, I feel like they don't know how to play that style and, and they get taken out of their game a little bit. It's like, yeah, they got world-class speed and they can definitely beat you with the big play. But if you limit that, then what do they got? <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I always, I mean, Georgia's got 
like, you know, a good defense and, and uh, LSU, you know, in the past years, they call him what DBU defensive back you. So, yeah, I mean, I know, I know that it's there. The players are there. Actually, yeah, LSU sure. has Stingley this year. So, but yeah. I, like I said, just that, I mean, uh, good for them. They could put up 60 points a game, I guess. I wish Wisconsin could do that. Right? Yeah, exactly. And actually transitioning a little bit to, to the Badgers. Uh, obviously, we were both very disappointed uh, with that Penn State game, uh, that opening game of the season. And I'm sure many Badgers fans were because they should have definitely won that game. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily need a quarterback that's going to be Russell Wilson all the time, but just uh, you got to be able to make a couple of throws, you know, and not make any big time mistakes and, uh, the quarterback play that game, like you, uh, you, you were texting me. The offensive line play wasn't all that great as well. They probably could have rushed, uh, you know, when you look at how well the rushing game did, did even with the offensive line play, it tells you what they could have done. You know, obviously they bounced back against Eastern Michigan, but they should always beat Eastern Michigan. You know, so it's like, is that really? I want to see them do that against maybe Notre Dame coming up, which that game would have. Anyone listening or watching, the game would have already happened, but for us, it hasn't. Um, you know, so so who knows what they're doing by the time you listen to this? If they won that game, we'll probably be feeling a little bit better. But you know, what are your thoughts uh, overall on the Badgers so far uh, this season? Well, you know, they they do have opportunities, right? Because they they have all yeah. these games coming up. So, right, yeah, no, I think for I'm initially I'm very hesitant. I think of this of this team a little cautious, right? Because it always feels the kind of same every year, right? We're just waiting for Paul Chris to break out with the new quarterback, and yeah. and I I really thought you know Mertz was the guy, right? This was his handpicked guy. He recruited him heavily, right? Yeah. We had someone all these expectations. We let Captain Jack go to Notre Dame, so this was going to be it, right? And it just I I just I can't understand with Chris. And, you know, the same coaching staff, we retained the same coaching staff for years, right? Zero yeah. college football appearances, zero Big Ten championships from Chris, right? Yeah. So that, 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 I mean, we're making the games, but if you can't beat Ohio State, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit hesitant, only two games, so I can't make too much of the year so far, right? They dominated the Penn State game in the first half, like you said, yeah. they should have won. Yeah. And Eastern Michigan is a walk in the park every day of the week, or usually yeah. seven out of seven, right? So... I mean, I'm hesitant, but like you said, big games coming up. I mean, Notre Dame, Michigan, that's two, the next two games are against ranked opponents, one on the yeah. road, one at home. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they still also have, uh, you know, Iowa on the schedule as well. And that's probably their, their biggest, uh, you know, opponent to beat uh, if they want to make the big 10 uh, championship game. Uh, Cause obviously they're in the weaker division, which helps as well. But like you said, uh, you know, being able to push Ohio State or a Michigan or or even a Penn State, if any of those teams end up in the, the you know, the championship game, uh, you know, if they win out and win the championship game, like, I mean, do you think that one, that they have any chance at a college football playoff anymore after the loss to Penn State? And do you um, do you look at, uh, you know, if they make the Big Ten championship game, do they even have a chance to win that game at this point? Yeah, uh, I think for the college football playoffs, I mean, it looks a little dim, right? When you lose one game at all, and that it's kind of yeah. it's kind of unless you're Alabama because they get to play Georgia yeah. and all those teams, you know. Yeah, and you get to start out ranked second, and yeah. you know you start to second, so you lose one game, you drop to what six or seven. Yeah, so, exactly. The Badgers dropped to like in nineteen. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean that that already is a catalyst on the season. So college football playoff, I think, is a little dim, but. 
with that being said, right, you win at Notre Dame, top 10. You beat Michigan. You take care of them at Camp Randall, top 25. You beat Iowa in November, October. I think it's October 30th is the game, right? You win yeah. that game, top five. Now all things start looking different, right? And if Penn State continues to win football games, right, they take care of their side and they go neck and neck with Ohio State. Now all of a sudden that loss in the first game of the season where Mertz you know, hopefully he improves the rest of the year. They can look yeah. back and say, oh, he had a bad game. Wisconsin just, you know, they never really caught rhythm. Identity is just, you know, kind of flukish, right? Turning the ball over three times in the red zone. So yeah. um, I think college football playoff may be a little dim. But as far as the Big Ten championship goes, I think they can compete with Ohio State. They can compete with Michigan. They can compete with anybody in the Big Ten, right? Because the thing about it is Ohio State, seen weaknesses, right? The linebackers, the defense, I mean, they can't stop anybody. They cannot stop anyone who runs the RPO offense. As long as you make playmakers on the outside of Ohio State, you can beat them, right? And the quarterback, you know, he's got the arm talent, but no accuracy. Everything's high. So, well, like like I said, it's only the first couple games, so that could get cleaned up. Same thing with Michigan. They, you know, they're they're taking care of their opponents, but I never really feel like they're coming to stomp on my neck on offense. Like, I never really get that that vibe from them and a little bit the same with Penn state. The blueprint was in the first half to beat them. That's what we had. The first half was the blueprint to beat them. And the second half, they used our blueprint to beat us, right? Throw yeah. the little short screens and let the fast guys go. So, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I think they can win the big 10 championship game, but got to get there. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's never easy. I mean, the one thing people never talk about college football, I mean, it's essentially every week is like a playoff. <laughs> like yeah, any yes, loss yeah. could end your season, you know? I mean, like you said, yeah. losing the Penn State uh, college football playoff, probably not happening, especially when you see uh, all the other teams that they would have to compete with. You'd have to hope that they lose multiple games. Like yeah, I, I could totally see them putting a two-loss Alabama team over a one-loss Wisconsin team anyway, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, when I look at uh, you know, watching that Penn State game, like you said, uh, the inaccuracy of Mertz is what really irked me because everyone's going to have a game where maybe they they missed a couple passes, whatever. But he had a chance to kind of to, to put Penn State away and uh, he just missed passes that you should be able to make, especially at home. I mean, that crowd was insane. That, that was like the first time they had like a full crowd in a couple of years, you know, and, and the student section was rock. Like you can, I can feel the stadium shake at home, you know, like it, it was just, yeah. it, it's just, you know, that should motivate you and you should be able to, I mean, those kind of plays, it's like, okay, you're nervous. I understand that by the fourth quarter, you're still that nervous. So you're, you've been in the training camp with everyone you got brought up, you know, you, you obviously had your high school playing days. Uh, you shouldn't be that nervous anymore. Like, I mean, like you can have some nerves, but to miss every single throw, you know, that that's something that uh, was a little concerning, you know? I, you know, I remember when we were texting about it that night, I was really pissed off. So, but when I had time to cool down, I thought about it. Right. And a lot of it goes back to Chris play calling that game. Like if you yeah, look that- back our first, maybe three drives of the game, or three drives where, you know, we put something together. I mean, maybe one or two pass plays from Mertz, right? We're running the ball 14 times to get down into the red zone. So when when you're running 16 play drives, right, it gives the offense more chance to make mistakes, to fumble, to this, to that. But also it 
takes Mertz away from getting in rhythm of throwing the ball. Because now is true. Yeah. you get to the fourth quarter and we're down six points and we're like, screw it, Mertz. I mean, step back and start gunning it. And yeah. he wasn't in rhythm at all. No, like you said, that is absolutely true. Well, every throw. The only yeah. throw he could hit was a five-yard curl around the Ferguson. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, that would have been nice uh, to have, like you said, early in the game to mix it up a little bit. Um, I understand Chris wanted to get uh, the running game going, and I understand he also wanted to control the time of possession to uh, um, you know, keep Penn State's defense out there longer and then also not let – because obviously Penn State has those speedy kind of playmakers. Probably make sure that his defense isn't out there that long because they have to you know, be able to handle that. And to be honest, they – the defense played good, except they messed up a couple of, they had a couple of breakdowns in coverage and, and it hurt them a couple of missed tackles, you know, like, um, but overall the defense played good. They shouldn't have been in that position though. They should have had a bigger lead at some point. It's like, okay, you're playing kind of this management, but if you really think that your team is good enough to make the college football playoff, you have to take the training wheels off. You have to start trying to score points like at some point. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm all for the first couple, like 15 play drives, but after a while, like when Mertz can't turn around and hand it off inside the 10 and we're fumbling, like now we got to think about start integrating other things into the offense besides just turn around and give it to Malusi every time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree. But I mean, and that's another thing, right? I was looking at stats the other night. They're out gaining people on the ground or just total yardage out gaining people 877 to 356 in total <laughs> In That's rushing yards, they're out. They're out rushing their opponents five hundred and twenty-six to sixty. Wow! That's insane. Yeah, that is and insane. One and one. They're one and one. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's very insane. Like you don't see that often. And 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 you know, and obviously, hats off to Penn State. They 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 earned the win. But it was just yeah. like you know, it was just one of those things where it was very frustrating because. I've been through seasons where it was like, okay, the Badgers team, maybe they're not the most talented team, but uh, they, they work hard and they all do their assignments and they totally got a shot. Um, they'd lose a game like that. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like it's, it sucks. But at the same time, like, I understand that, you know, why they lost that. That was like coming into this year. I was actually like, wow, like the Badgers look like on paper, like they have a good team. Um, right. And then, and then, and then you look, and then the, just the way that they lost that game, like you missing those passes, being not in rhythm at all, seemed to be they they seemed to be inept on offense when they weren't rushing the ball. And then there was, and then what Penn State did is essentially they gave up a lot of yards between the twenties, and then they tightened up in the red zone, and the Badgers didn't know what to do. Like they didn't know, like yeah. it seemed like Mertz didn't even have options. Like it was just like here's the play, you got to throw it to him. And there'd be another wide open guy that he didn't throw to, or he'd miss the throw completely. You know, so it's just yeah, yeah. that part was frustrating, yeah. and I think it made it sting a little bit more. Was that it was like, you know, it, it, they should have been more ready for those situations, and they definitely should have had better play calling. And I, I'm sure I, I know it's easier for us to say that sitting at home. Uh, than the coaches and, and and everything like that, but at the same time, you're getting paid a lot of money to be a college coach, so you, yeah, you got to take your criticism as well. So if anyone wants to say anything, it's just like, yeah, but you know, you should get criticized and you should get better, and hopefully they get better. You know, that that's all I got to say about that. You know, it's all that's we can that. hope for, really. You know, that's what Chris starts with Mertz. Uh, for the rest of the college football, I mean, what uh, what do you think? Obviously, you're in SEC country, and, and you got Alabama always there. And like you said, Georgia uh, is a very good-looking team. 
Uh, Oregon obviously is uh, looking pretty good as well early on with that win over Ohio State. Um, and then you got, uh, you know, your Oklahoma's and your Clemson's and, 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 you know, even Iowa's, you know, obviously in the top 10 now. So, I mean, just, uh, you know, what, what do you see from, from all these teams and, and, uh, do you, uh, you know, personally, I don't see any of these teams not having, none of them are perfect. So I feel like there might be a little bit of parody, a couple upsets coming up, but, uh, you know, just what are your thoughts on, on which of these teams might make a run here? Yeah, I stayed away a little bit from picking the SEC because, um, you know, it's such a tough conference that there are sometimes upsets, right? You can't predict. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, SEC is always kind of chalk every year, right? You expect them to be good to, to, to run through their opponents. And so, like, honestly, when they're not beating teams by 50 points, like, that's unimpressive to me because that's what I expect out of them. But yeah. um, one team I do want to talk about and I want you to look out for, they're ranked 13. And so since I've been going out to school, I've been coming uh, since I've been going to college, I have trouble going to sleep at night sometimes. So college football season was always a good time for Pac-12 football. I love it. It's on at midnight over here, Eastern time uh, until 2 a.m. So I got into love. I got to fall in love with um, Pac-12 football. So a team I want you to watch out for is UCLA this year. Okay. A lot of people. You know, haven't talked about them in many years, right? I think a lot of people for, think like Chip Kelly fell off the end of the earth or something, but he's yeah. still coaching the football team. Yeah. Um, and they got a quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, or DTR, they call him. And uh, their running back is the, um, oh, the grad transfer from Michigan, Jack, Zach Charbonnet, I think is his name. Yeah. Uh, two explosive guys, right? Quarterback, running back. They can put up points but their defense can, can stay with an opponent, right? They knocked off LSU uh, their second game of the season. I think their first game was against Hawaii, so not much of a test there. But they knocked off LSU, and now I'm looking at their schedule, right, because Oregon beats Ohio State. Now all of a sudden the Pac-12 gets interesting. So in Arizona State, it started out hot, right? They're scoring like 50 points a game. So I looked at UCLA's schedule because they're 13 right now, so they're positioned to move up a little bit. They have four games coming up that I think are big. Uh, September 25th, which is next weekend, at Stanford, right? David Shaw at Stanford at home, always incredible. So that that will yeah. be a tough game. Um, October 2nd versus Arizona State will be at home. But the reason why I love this matchup is because I was talking about UCLA loves to score, and so does Arizona State. Uh, their offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, um, he used to be at Fresno State head coach. Now he's at Arizona offensive coordinator. Love the score at Fresno State. Loves the score at Arizona State, putting up 50 points a game. This guy's like McVay on stimulant drugs. Like, <laughs> just sling it. Talking, we were talking about offenses putting up 59. Well, yeah. Do it. So I'm going to be interested to see that game. And then the final two are October 23rd versus Oregon, obviously, top five. Yeah. And then the last one is always a tough one because it's a rivalry game, November 20th uh, versus USC. So if USC could get things going without JT Daniels, because you know he's at Georgia now. So, yeah. They could get things going. All of a sudden, the Pac-12 looks interesting, and UCLA, watch out, man. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting to add on that. Uh, everyone always throws shade at the Pac-12, right? Like, they, they, they rarely have any kind of college football talk at all. Uh, if, if you have Oregon doing well, like they just beat Ohio State, if they keep doing well, UCLA keeps doing well, uh, that actually helps both of them probably when they play whoever wins that match and then whoever wins like the Pac-12 title, obviously, maybe it looks like it was a tougher road. Uh, how do they not put a Pac-12 team in the college football playoff if they're undefeated at that point? You know, like so that that could be that that definitely could be very interesting. Um, and it's uh, yeah, UCLA is definitely one of those teams 
that, uh, you know, people don't, uh, like, obviously they used to be a powerhouse, but it's just yeah. no, people have not been looking at it. And then when it comes to chip Kelly, they think like, because he, uh, didn't work out in the NFL, it's like, yeah, but do you not realize that the reason he didn't work out in the NFL is he thought his college system was going to work in the NFL year in and year out. And it proved that you can't do that. It's a completely different game, but his college football system was still really good in college football. So it's just like, uh, you definitely have to watch out for that. Like, especially like you said, they're putting up all those, if they're, if they're going to be putting up all those points, they're going to be putting on a show. They'll at least be fun to watch. Right. Like, so I saw them play LSU and I know LSU, like they were ranked at the time. They're not now in, we were talking kind of about Pac-12 being an important conference. And, of course, that could change if the rankings change. But right now, I mean, you're looking at it, and it's SEC and Pac-12, the two most conferences with ranked teams in Big yeah. Ten right after. So, yeah. so I mean, it's just something to look out for. I, and I watched them play LSU. I was impressed, right? That kid, that kid DTR, can run an offense. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, speaking of college football playoff, because I do want to get into this uh, – uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on the format right now. Obviously, they're talking about adding more teams to it in the future. Uh, you know, I always thought that, you know, when it was just the old system was just garbage, in my opinion, because, um, you know, yeah, there would you there would be a team that was like worlds better than all the other teams. And you expected them to, to be there and win, um, you know, but again, their world's better. They should win games if they had to play a couple of playoff games before they made it. Uh, but then, you know, usually like the, 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 the other team that would play that team and sometimes both teams that were in the picture that were going to make the title game, uh, there was all this other parody that, you know, you would think you would hope that they maybe got another chance or a chance to play those teams. Cause a lot of those teams don't even play each other, you know? Um, you know, unless they put 15 SEC teams in the top 15, a lot of these teams don't play each other. So like when I look at it, I, I, I personally would like to see some sort of like a 15 team type playoff because there's so many college teams and yeah, odds are the teams that are ranked low, lower are not going to, you know, win the whole thing. They might score some upsets though. There might be some excitement for fans. And then at the same time, you could, uh, um, you know, the, the top teams have to play. They can't just walk into the, to the title game because, you know, somebody said so. And I, I think it really comes into play when they put like a two loss Alabama team in. It's like, yeah, I know Alabama's really good and other teams blew their sort of chance to go over them in those years. But at the same time, when I see that, I'm just like, they still lost two games. Like, why do they just get handed a chance at the title? And then they're going to get to prepare for that game for a month. And yeah, they're probably going to win, you know, like, and it's just like, okay, but were they the best team all year? <laughs> you know, uh, it, you would want to see other teams get a chance to play them and then maybe not have that month of preparation time. You're, you're playing playoff game here, playoff game there. Uh, you only got a week now. It changes everything. It leaves some more upsets. And, and uh, you know, maybe you can have like a, a the, 15th and 16th ranked teams kind of play a play in game to see who's the 15th team. Um, and then have like, maybe you can give buys to some of the teams like automatically to like the quarterfinals, whatever, like, you know how they do the big 10 uh, playoffs and basketball, they get of all those buys to like the top 14. Maybe they could do something like that. Um, you know, I, I just think that that would be, it'd be cool to see. And I think, you know, and, and again, I understand that uh, people are worried about injuries and things like that, but uh you know, there's a way to maybe work that in. Maybe you don't have 
uh, if you have a playoff, maybe you don't need to have non-conference games. You just play your conference. You could give automatic bids to people who win their conference and things like that as well. So there's a way to kind of maybe shorten the season. And then you're still making a crazy amount of money if you make those. And you can still have bowls on top of that for all the other teams that didn't make it. You know, like, so there's still like, and I hate that excuse, but yes, they're billionaire people in college football. They want money. So the only way anything's going to happen is if they're making their money. So I see it as like a way for them to make money if they want to look at that because, uh, and, and, it, and the, then the, the teams that are in the playoff aren't playing a 20 game season. You, you cut out a couple games in the season, only play your conference. You have, you, you could have your conference championship game or not do that at all. If everybody plays each other once, you know? Um, so I don't know, maybe there's ways to do that. I know there's a lot of debate, but what are your thoughts on this? I mean, do you like, uh, the, the playoff as it stands now? Um, do you like the, the thought of going up to eight teams, which is, I think what they've been talking about in like, you know, four or five years or something when the TV deals change. Um, I mean, we just, what are your overall thoughts on this? Um, well, the original with, it used to be the BCS, right? BCS. So when they did one and one, number one plays number two. I kind of thought similar to what you thought um, is it always kind of felt like it was the same team every year, right? Kind of the, what have you done for me lately? Well, this team has done good. So we're just going to throw them in and every year. Yeah. And so I kind of got tired of seeing, you know, Bama and uh, it was always like Ohio state or, you know, maybe Oregon when they had Mariota. But yeah. I did that too, because like you said, two losses, like sure on paper, like half the roster is going to the NFL. Like obviously they're better than everybody else, but two losses, like when they needed to come together, they didn't, they didn't do it. So why yeah. are they a chance to hold up a trophy when, you know, there's an undefeated team from the ACC or something. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I kind of struggled with that, but I uh, never thought about your 16 team proposal. I kind of like that. I never really thought about that. The only kind of thing, um, I would uh, bring up as an opposition to that. And I guess it's kind of the same for me is I am in favor of the eight team. I like that. I like eight teams. Okay. I think 16 is a little bit too much, but only because it starts turning into like March madness a little bit. Right. Oh, yeah, Which yeah. I know what, what you were kind of getting at. Right. It makes them a lot of money, but yeah. then, you know, you got to shorten up the season. Right. And then that, yeah. how do you decide conference champions when you're only playing like, cause then they can only play maybe seven season games. Yeah. You know, and you got to play non-conference or maybe take out those, you know, games against the FE or FCS schools. But yeah, I'm kind of in favor of eight, but I think if they're going to do that, eight or 16, right, they got to implement some sort of like computer system that starts making up these teams rather than guys' opinions. Yeah. At least with March Madness, they make these brackets, but they have a system that they go by. Yeah. So at least our, we know like what to, what a team should be shooting for, but like, yeah. With the college football playoff, it kind of just feels like, you know, if you win enough games and you put up 70 points a game, we'll put you in. Yeah. So, and I think so the main I, I was going to say, no, I'm just in favor of eight, but I like your 16 proposal. I just feel like some some teams that are left on the outside might still have complaints about, oh, um, like. Yeah, for you sure. Know, I, school popular. And, yeah. and, unless every team is included, someone's going to have a complaint. But like, the, you know. And yeah, like I totally understand uh, opposition to things. The thing is with, uh, with even with eight, um, th the reason why to expand it is, uh, you know, the, some of the, some of the other schools that aren't uh, part of the big conferences need chances yeah. because there's been some, some very good teams that like went undefeated and people are like, well, but their, co their conference isn't that good. And it's like, 
okay. Like, have you seen football? Like, I mean, these other teams are still putting together teams and game plans. It's not easy to just run the table. Like if you're that dominant, like, and, and you, you, you destroyed your whole conference. Well, does that mean that you're a worse team just because you did, you beat them worse? Like, you know, like, I don't understand You should at least get a chance at playing some of the other schools and see if you can beat them. And I know like they'll, they'll pull up, well, there've been some teams and then they lost their bowl game. Again, you get a whole month to prepare for those. Like uh, when it's a season game and it's just week in and week out preparing, it, it changes things. That's why you have so many upsets during the season. And then the bowl games come and it seems like the bigger schools tend to win a lot. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's because you get that preparation time. So all the little things, all the trick plays that those other teams can do, if they have any gimmicks, um, they're kind of uh, taken away. And, and Alabama, their coaching staff is really good. Nick Saban knows how to prepare for things. So if you notice, um, you know, a lot, if Alabama takes on anyone, like look at how they destroyed Ohio State the one year, they took down Clemson, they destroyed them, you know, like it's just the reason why they're doing that is because they prepared for a month to beat both of those teams, looking at all of the, the stuff that they throw out there and they prepared for it with their NFL roster. And like, you know, they were able to succeed. So I think having the more teams just to give those other teams a chance, uh, I guarantee that uh, there, there'll be at least one year where we're all talking about one of those random small schools and how they won the title one year. It's going to happen. Like it's just going to happen. I mean, look I at how I would love that for college football. That's why I'm kind of, I'm you're, you're pulling me in with the uh, 16 teams. Cause I like, <laughs> you're going to get like Iowa state versus like Oregon or something. And they're going to pull off. And I would love that. I mean, who wouldn't? So yeah. What, what it would mean to the fans too, would be insane. You know, like, um, you know, it'd be people would be storming fields and it'd be nuts, especially yeah. if you could have some, some, uh, some games, home games and things like that for, for teams. However, they would set that up if there was neutral sites later, but, uh, wow. you know, that would be interesting. I mean, look at March madness. We had our, the uh, 16 seed top of one seed. Finally, like you knew it was going to happen eventually. And now every time we watch a 16 and a one, we're thinking, Hey, this can happen. now. <laughs> like, <laughs> We've seen it. Yeah, so it's like, like if it's, it wasn't like sixteen one close game. They like blew out Virginia. It was by like twenty five points. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was definitely no fluke, and they almost they almost kept going too. Like they yeah. they had a shot, which would have yeah. been even crazier. Yeah. Um, you're yeah. definitely getting more double seed wins too. It, it just took time, you know. It was one of those things where it was like the other. As soon as you get all the talent that exists in the sport at the high school level, realizing, Hey, I can go anywhere and our team could get on the map and I can make a name for myself. Um, it's, I feel like a lot of kids will be more, they'll be like, Hey, going to the smaller school, something that I like, I don't have to go to this big school. Maybe, you know, they wanted to go to like a smaller city or something like that. Um, and then at the same time, it's like, okay, now they're going to, they're going to make a name for themselves at this school. Well, that's like more epic than like, Oh, I was the, I was one of the best players on a, a roster of Alabama with all NFL guys, you know, <laughs> to, to say, Hey, I was one of the leaders on this small school that beat Alabama in the championship. You know, <laughs> like, I just yeah. think that that would be more epic. And, and, and a lot of, I think a lot of high school kids will be like, Hey, I want to be that guy. Like, you know, you're, yeah. you're probably getting drafted into the NFL. You do something like that, like guaranteed. <laughs> you know? I think I agree with you. That's interesting. Um, 
because not a lot of people talk about that take, but that's very interesting because in college football, you're right. It's not really like that, right? Alabama, Clemson, kind of the, the but in, in basketball, I see that a lot now, especially the past three, four years, right? Like the number one recruit going to Memphis. Yeah. Um, what's his name? He plays in the NBA now. I can't even think of, I'm not a big NBA guy, but, um, but you know, he went to Memphis or Wiseman. That's his name. Um, oh, he went yeah, to yeah. Insane, right? Because who, why would a number one recruit be going to school there? But I love that a lot of those kids in college basketball are doing that now, realizing they can go anywhere and like, you know, let's run it. Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. I mean, you know, those are good examples, but I'd like to see that in, fo- in college football. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet for sure. All right. So <laughs> let's, let's, uh, we talked a lot about college football. Let's move on to the NFL. Uh, obviously, you're a big uh, Packers fan. Uh, so I got to ask you, what are your thoughts after that horrible game against the Saints in week one? I mean, uh, you know, obviously Rodgers uh, essentially said relax again. He's saying it was only one game. Uh, but I mean, besides your thoughts on the game, do you also think that part of that was because he held out and uh, didn't really get into sync with anyone? I, if, I feel like the, a lot of their new faces didn't know what was going on and it seemed like Rogers would audible and then the play would be terrible. And that's not what I'm used to seeing. Usually like it, it, he audibles and suddenly some great play happens. You know, I didn't see that at all against the saints, you know? Yeah. Well, um, my thoughts about the game were like, it's simple, right? We got our ass kicked. Like that's just, that's very simple. I don't know if it felt a lot worse because I was at the game sitting in the, the Jacksonville sun beating down on me, sweating <laughs> but, and watching Rogers just throw the ball all over wherever he wants. Like, I mean, maybe that added a little bit salt to the wound, but no, but I mean, the, the biggest thing I noticed, especially from being up there as I could watch and see the whole field was just the timing was so off. Yeah. And I, it was, I went to the game with my girlfriend, Jasmine, and I was talking to her about it. Like, you know, that's something I would have expected from Petten and LaFleur, like in 2019, coming off when Chicago won the division and the double doink in the next year, right? That first yeah. game. Yeah. And thoughts were busy was the truth, right? That was yeah. when I would have expected the communication breakdowns and us not being on the same page and looking lethargic, like not two years later, I expect that in your first game against the team who just lost their quarter, their hall of fame quarterback and replaced the hall of fame quarterback with someone who hasn't played quarterback in two years. <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. that was, that was very, that was very concerning to me. I mean, aside from just getting our ass kicked, it's different if it's San Francisco, but when you lose the Jameis Winston like that, I mean, it was concerning, but yeah. To the second part of your question. I mean, I don't think entirely it has to do with Rogers off season entirely, but for sure. I mean, that definitely played a factor, right? Cause what does, what kind of message let's, I mean, just take the summer aside. What kind of message are you sending? I'm not talking about like Devonte and Zadarius. Like those guys are fine with always will be fine without Rogers. They're going to get their yeah. money. Like Devonte will get his money, but yeah. Like, what does that send to AJ Dillon? Like the second string running back who like wants a ring and loves Aaron Rodgers, like playing for Aaron Rodgers and like yeah. Bobby Tanya in a tight end, or what does that say to Bakhtiari or, you know, I mean, I guess Bakhtiari got his bag too, but you know, it sends a bad message to the team, right? Like I'm giving up on you because I'm arguing with our parents. Basically that's kind of what it is. Right. Yeah. Like think about all my brother, all my brothers, I'm with all my brothers, but I'm not going to talk or hang out with any of you guys because our dad and our mom are like, you know, being crude, being rude to me, Yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're sending my friends home when I want my friends here. Like, yeah. you know, that's kind of how it felt to me. I understood where he was coming from, but did it play a factor week one? 
I mean, I'm sure it did, right? There's no way you lose 38 to three like that without it affecting you. So, yeah, and that's a good uh, that's a good point because I actually also believe that too. When you have, it's one thing the veterans that are there; they know what's going on, and 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 uh, they're just like, oh, you know, Rogers will come back and blah blah blah. But yeah, the the, the guys who are th- that haven't been there that long, um, maybe look up to Rogers. Um, and, and I definitely saw that with the receivers. He was out of sync a lot with uh, not just Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams made a couple of decent plays. He just didn't get a lot of targets. And then they took him out of the game when they didn't, you know, you don't want people to get injured when you're getting blown out that bad. But it's just, you know, like uh, it, it definitely sends a weird message to a team when football and this goes all levels the one thing they preach is we're all family we're all brothers like so that is a thing like so they're all preaching that and then it's like oh but uh you know you want to get paid and you're just like i understand that but then you're just gonna leave us here like alone like you're gonna retire like and when he started talking about retiring and stuff i was just like that's not gonna be good <laughs> like and, and do I, yeah i mean go ahead you could you could finish off. i was gonna say like uh you know when you know it Obviously, it's just one game. I also don't expect it to happen multiple games. It's sooner or later they'll get in sync, but and they 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 play in a division where they probably have room for air. They should probably win the division, but you know, like at, at the same time, it's just like uh, you should probably shouldn't have like made some of those things like public, like to put it in the public eye like that. It looks really bad. No, the, the fact that a lot of those players, the only time they're hearing from Aaron Rodgers is when ESPN is reporting on something nuts. Like Aaron Rodgers might retire and just be on jeopardy for, for the rest of his life. Like, you know, like, it's just like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I was, that's kind of what I was going to get to, right. Is like, He's not talking to anybody all summer, so no one really knows what's going on. And so you kind of go from this, like, we're freaking out. What are we going to do without Aaron? And then all of a sudden, like, here he is in the parking lot walking in with, like, the office shirt on and sunglasses and his hair in a man bun. Like, now all of a sudden he's back. And I think that kind of, like, that kind of infested the the facility, right? Is like, oh, well, he's back. We're fine now. Like, we're just going to be just like we were in February against Tampa or January against Tampa. Like, yeah. we'll just be right back in with them. Like, everything's going to be okay. And that was not the case at all. But not only that, is they don't hear from him. He shows up and he goes to his press conference. And the first thing he says is, yeah, I was 50-50 on whether or not I was going to retire. That's <laughs> what you say. You don't see that in your press conference. Yeah. Like, that baffled me that he just – like I get, he's an honest guy. Like he's going to lay it on straight. Like he's yeah. always been that way. Deep thinker, but, but being a deep thinker, you should understand the words that, that, that has an effect on that team. Like you were thinking like, maybe I'll come back to like, you know, they're going to come to him and be like, you were thinking like, should I, or shouldn't I come back? Like we yeah. just, we were just close to the Super Bowl. How do you just hang us out the dry to go play in Denver? Yeah. You yeah. That, it's definitely crazy. I definitely looked at it too. Like, uh, you know, I understand he wanted uh, more weapons and, and things like that. I, I completely understand that. And I definitely think that the Packers front office maybe could have did better at like maybe stroking his ego while still doing their own thing. I mean, like it happens at other teams. A guy is like, oh, I need this. I need that. And, you know, the, the front office kind of plays damage control. I feel like this front office didn't do that. They kind of both were petty and, and that definitely it hurt everything. Um you know, at the, you know, and then you have at the same time, though, you have Rogers coming in, like you said, saying that stuff at his press conference. Like, uh, it's just it, 
it's going to make guys maybe maybe there's a, a lineman that's like okay i'm going to miss this block <laughs> you know like i just think like that stuff happens like they're like okay you, you know you're not going to want to be with us and we're going to leave the thing is that when you look at the packers roster they should be super bowl contenders again um so even with out what he wanted like the extra weapons it's like you know so they're still going to be super bowl contenders with the roster that they had so it's just like like I know they lost Jamal Williams, but AJ Dillon is probably easily going to fit into that role. Like I saw him make plays last year. I think he's going to be fine and they'll have, you know, a Ron Jones and, and, and him doing their thing. But like, uh, it's just, you know, you had this team and they were probably going to be fine. You had some injuries last year too, that maybe hurt a couple of spots. Like, you know, like it seemed like Lazard was making plays, then he was injured and then he never really got back in the rhythm. Like, so maybe he's going to be better with a full year, things like that. Um, but it's just, you're going to go to Denver and you think Denver is going to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I feel like Green Bay is your best bet at winning a Super Bowl right now. So I was a little confused at that whole situation. I was going to say, I mean, like, I think, I mean, me and my dad were kind of talking about that too, right? Like if Rogers was on Denver and this was happening with John Elway, like him and Elway were arguing back and forth, right? And he was going to leave. Green Bay is like the first place you think of, right? Because yeah. the, the team's there, like the coach is there, like. He would have had everything, and that would be the first place you would think Rodgers would go, right? Because all he would be missing is a quarterback. So yeah. for him, we just kind of, you know, and then all summer talk about, like, the what did he say? The loudest man in the room is the one who keeps silent or something like that. And then yeah. just come out and say, like, yeah, like, I was 50-50. I'm bailing out on this whole organization, but they brought my best friend, Randall Cobb, back. So I decided I'll show up. <laughs> and where was Randall Cobb last week? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was definitely weird. But I, again, the one thing working on Green Bay side is uh, they're they're in the NFL North, which uh, you know um, I'm going to guess that uh, ten or eleven wins in a 17 game schedule is probably still enough to win that division this year, uh, just based on what I saw from the Vikings blowing against the Bengals, uh, the Bears. Uh, you know, we could talk about them, kind of laugh at them a little bit later on, um, and the Lions are going to be the Lions, like every. You know, yeah, Goff tried to come back against the 49ers, but they were getting blown out most of that game, and that was all garbage time, in my opinion. I think San Francisco just took their their foot off the gas and just kind of let them back in, you know, a couple of freak onside kick type things, too. Yeah. Super three or whatever that was. Yeah. 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 So it's just, you know, those things happen. So obviously green Bay is going to have a shot to win the division and then you make the playoffs and you're going to be a contender to make the super bowl. So, you know, I'm guessing you would hope that they get all this stuff ironed out by then and uh, you know, play at a high level about that point. So, you know, obviously uh, Kansas city and Tampa Bay still look pretty good. When you look at their rosters they're you know, everyone's going to talk about them as favorites for a rematch. Uh, but we all know how difficult rematches are. I mean, first of all, the AFC is like a gauntlet and the NFC is actually looking better than it was when you look top to bottom, uh, you know, even teams that maybe are not going to make the playoffs, they might not be as easy to beat. So anything can happen. And then you got injuries too. So, um, you know, and, and we're all waiting for Tom Brady to fall off this cliff, but I guess he's like a robot or something. So he just keeps coming. But, uh, you know, do you think Green Bay can, if they if they win the division, make the playoffs, do you think Green Bay can finally, can, can beat Tampa Bay, get a little bit of revenge against them if they play them again in January? Um, do you think that they could make the Super Bowl uh, with the roster that they have? 
Yeah. Um, well, first answer the question about the making the Super Bowl the roster. Absolutely. I mean, like we uh, you were talking about it, right? We were talking about if Rodgers were to leave Denver, he'd go to Green Bay. So yeah. the roster is definitely ready to win a Super Bowl 100%. I mean, they were ready when Rodgers was deciding what he wanted to do in the summer. The only kind of caveat I have with, I mean, yeah, they can beat Tampa Bay. I mean, they show, they probably should have won the NFC Championship game last year. But the problem I have with it is just the feel of everything, right? It doesn't feel right to me anymore. Like last year, everything felt right. It felt like it was our year. Like, yeah, Tampa, like they took us behind the barn and spanked us like when we were in Tampa. But when they came to Lambeau, like I was like, this is it. Like we could beat them. And we were in the game. We played them well. It just feels like this year, like after the summer with Rodgers and just the team doesn't yet. I mean, I know it's only been one game. They just don't look like they've really taken any steps forward. And it's not even I'm not even just saying that because they got blown out week one. But do you notice the same reoccurring thing with this team? Right. Every time they get their ass kicked, right, it's the same thing getting pounded on the run or guys like wide open receivers, wide open and getting anything going on offense, offensive lines getting bullied like these are things that are not correcting. And that's what concerns me, right? We're going on yeah. three years. Or this would be our year with LaFleur, right? And it's the same recurring, like, like fatal blows to us. Yeah. And so I think they need, to, they need to figure out what that is before they're able to take on Tampa. Like right now, the problem with Rodgers and why the offense can't get going on the times, you know, blown out is he can't, he, I don't know what it is, right? He's the Hall of Fame quarterback, but two high safeties. And all of a sudden, our all offense like cannot be run anymore. Like we we can't run anything. Yeah. So I think they need to learn how to, you know, move Devonte around, move Jones around, kind of get him integrated, get Bobby Tanyan out when there's two high safeties because teams are gonna beg the Packers to run the ball until you know Rodgers can prove that he can sling it on two high safeties, cover two. Yeah, I definitely definitely agree with that. I want to stick in with the the NFL North now. Um, you know, this is for our family in Chicago. Who I know a lot of Bears fans. Um, uh, just talking about the Bears, you know, I do think that Justin Fields could be good, and uh, he'll probably uh, you know end up starting over Dalton at some point this season. Um, he definitely has some tools, uh, but but the thing is, is when I look at the Bears, and I saw this this last game too, um, I see the defense as they they. They went all in thinking Mitch Trubisky was the guy. So they got Khalil Mack and they built this very good defense. Well, now the, it's it's a little later in all those guys now. They, they, some of them have been dinged up for a couple of years. They're definitely getting older on defense. So I think there's a lot of other things to fix than just a quarterback. Um, so the thing that I, I would uh, to tell any Bears fan is I'm sorry to tell you, but I don't think that the Bears – are going to be making Super Bowl runs anytime soon, you know, even if Fields does really good. You know, he I, I'm guessing Fields is going to end up being hurt by coaching changes too because let's be honest, the Bears don't do bad if they don't make the playoffs this year. How long is Nagy staying around? You know, when he's probably going to be fired at some point. That's just the way it goes. And then Fields is going to have to have another coaching staff come in and then that usually takes a year or two to get under. So it's like, you know, I I he pro- they probably need a miracle where Justin Fields is suddenly one of the greatest quarterbacks as a rookie, like out of nowhere, like putting up Justin Herbert type numbers from last year, you know, and because uh, this is probably, I mean, the defense will be okay. 
probably be better if their offense can stay on the field. But for this year, next year, I'm not so sure. So it's just like, what do you wait? Like, you know, it's like, okay, fields, maybe he's better by year two or three. I think he has a lot to learn still. Uh, but then who's going to be your defense? You know, like who, what about your other playmakers? Like they don't really have a lot of big name guys. They, they signed a bunch of speed at receiver, things like that. But nobody that besides Ellen Robinson, like nobody's like, Oh my God, this guy's going to make some plays in clutch situations. And it's just, I, I, I just, I, I see so many things. And I think that the secondary is going to continue to struggle. Um, the offensive line is, uh, is just not, not a lot of depth. Um, I, I, you know, David Montgomery looks like he could be good, but will he be good in two to three years when we know how running backs only have a short shelf life? Like is Montgomery still going to be, you know, the goal line guy in two to three years? Like, we don't even know. Like, I, I just, I, I, it's like, cool. They got fields. They finally got a quarterback maybe, but then they have so many other things wrong. I just don't see them as, as, as challenging for super bowls in the next two to three years unless they go nuts and and hit on every single draft pick that they have um you know like they, they probably need to not do well this year so that they could get a high draft pick and get some some other guys because they're they're they need more help <laughs> and they're certainly not assigning a away like a free agent away in the offseason from doing anything so uh, i mean i just don't think uh uh, our family is going to be too happy with the bears in the next couple of years. So I wanted to, to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, what, what you think about that. And I'm sure your mom, uh, is going to kick both of our asses after talking about this. <laughs> well, for the record, she loves the fields kids. So I guess I, but, um, I know I really liked fields. I think, um, before the draft, I said he's better than Zach Wilson. I don't know why everybody, you know, like hypes up Zach, but, um, I love Fields, but kind of the same concerns you have, right, is I don't really know how he fits. Like, even if he is really good, they're a wild card team exit at best. Like, yeah. And like you said, I mean, Danny Trevathan, a linebacker, and you got Eddie Jackson, right, just yeah. staying the Bears for a huge contract, and he can't tackle anybody on third and 16. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, I, I always respected the Bears' defense. Like, it was always – you know, being a Packers fan, knowing the play that I'm right, it's going to be like we're going to have to work the score. So yeah. I knew that. But, but I mean, I think Pace and Nagy kind of fluffed up Chicago, fluffed up the fans a little bit when Mitch, you know, had the, the double doink here after that, yeah. right? Like this is our guy, this is it, it's all coming together. And it was never the – that was never the case. And yeah. now, you know, now they kind of – you know, there's a uh, – Good, good quote too. Talking about uh, if you were to inherit the world, you have forfeit your soul, right? So they inherited the world with with Justin Fields, but they have nothing else around. Like Allen Robinson is on on franchise tag, right? So he's yeah. gone. Now. Yeah, he's not going to stick and, around long. Who do they have outside that? Darnell Mooney. Like yeah. I like Cole Komet. He's a good kid. Like I like it. And like you said, with Montgomery. Like yeah, you know he's a work. He he proves he could be a workhorse. He could take 20, 25 attempts a game. But there's nobody after him. Like Tariq Cohen, I mean, eventually once he gets healthy, but there's just no, he doesn't really have anything to play with on offense. And I'm afraid, you know, like the Bears fired Lovey Smith after 10 wins. Like, yeah. even if Maggie wins 10 this year, goes, you know, 10 and seven, they make the playoffs. Like, if they don't win the Super Bowl, Maggie's gone. So yeah. now you got to bring in a new coach that will work with Fields, but that now you're just re, you're doing the same thing over again, right? Cause yeah. you select Mitch. 
and then you fire Lovey and bring in or bring in Nat or um, bring in Nagy, and it doesn't work out, right? Because it wasn't the guy he wanted. So now you let Nagy take Fields, and then you're going to boot him out of town and bring someone else in. So I don't know. They made the right move. Pace made the right move with trading up to get Fields. I like him, and I think he'll be good. But I just don't really see how you can get behind a team that has an aging defense and no playmakers on the outside. Yeah, and exactly. And that's that's uh, it's not good when you have a couple of injuries and then you're suddenly your team's done. Like what happened to the whole next man up? Like how come other teams like the Packers, like they have injuries, the next guy comes up and they're still winning games. Like how, like I know they, they had Aaron Rodgers, and before that, you know, you had Brett Farr and you had, um, you know, when you have a good quarterback, that's a big thing to do. So it's like, yeah, Justin Fields, if he ends up being good, that's really awesome. Uh, but the thing is, is uh, at the same time, uh, the quarterback can't just do everything, just like the defense can't do everything. So without having depth, that offensive line, without having depth, uh, you know, just – to be honest, even on defense, a couple injuries happen. Like Khalil Mack goes down, like they're, that that probably hurts their defense a lot. Like, and I know it would hurt a lot of guys when you like, you know, Aaron Donald goes down, it hurts the Rams, but the Rams defense will probably still be good even without Aaron. Better off than the Bears. Yeah. yeah exactly so I, I just the lack yeah. of depth and then the lack of weapons like you said like Ellen Robinson yeah like yeah but you know there might be players that are just like I don't want to go through this and they're going to leave you know like Khalil Mack left Oakland because he, he didn't want to be there going through a rebuild why won't he just be like you know what Chicago I'm gonna I, I want to be out of here now too you know <laughs> like at some point some of those veterans want to go win rings and, and they don't want to go through four years five years of rebuild or whatever it might be so it's just you know I, I definitely don't have a good feeling about the Bears doing anything anytime soon one thing that is coming up of course is the MLB playoffs. so I want to transition there uh, and we have our favorite team the Chicago White Sox finally in it the magic number is by the time you're recording this, hopefully they've clinched that division by now. So by the time you're listening to this, I mean, um, so, you know, they should be in the playoffs. It would be the first time in franchise history that they've ever been in the postseason two straight years, which is just mind boggling to me. I, I, that's that still is mind boggling. So it'll be great to never say that ever again. They finally <laughs> will have done it. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of races still left to be decided at the time of this recording, a lot of good ones, especially the wild card. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, for you, are there any teams, uh, you know, besides the White Sox at this point that you see as top contenders to win it all? I mean, you, uh, I'm actually watching Toronto right now if they if they make it, but I'll talk about that in a second. So for you, like who who are you looking at as as a p- possible like kind of a dark horse contender? You know, Milwaukee obviously is another one. So, um, I think uh, my I have probably like four, um, and I think really, I mean, obviously the Giants and Dodgers, like everyone will say that, but. Um, I like you said, I really love Toronto, right? Not the fact that they've just won like 16 out of their last 19 games, but I mean, I love the lineup, right? Bichette can hit, Gary L can hit, Springer can hit, Vladdy can hit. I mean, they have hitters. And, you know, I, I, when I get to when I explain all my teams, you're going to see there's something I always stick to is you need three starters in the postseason. Yeah. You need, if you're going to win a ring, you need three starters, right? Well, Toronto's got Robbie Ray, Ryu, and Berrios. Yeah. So they're right there. They're a little weak in the bullpen, and that hurts in October because that becomes more emphasized. But for sure, I love that they have three starters, and I love that they can hit the hell out of the ball. So that at any time, I mean that that puts you as a contender to win. 
Um, and then I also kind of the same formula, same kind of team identity as Boston, right? The Red Sox. I mean, J.D. Martinez, Devers, Xander Bogarts, Kike, Renfro. I mean, those guys yeah. all hit. And then the three starters of Aldi, Sale, and Tanner Houck. So, again, bullpen a little shaky, but I love their their offense, their makeup. They can hit the hell out of the ball, but they also can pitch a little bit, and that's what you need. Obviously, the White Sox contender, but and then the Brewers was was my other that I really wanted to mention because yeah. I think it's so it's so asinine to me because you know I'm bringing up teams here with big offenses, right? Big guys who can hit. You know George Springer is, you know Rafael Devers, Bogarts, you know these guys. But yeah. I mean, the Brewers are doing it with Adamas, Edbo <laughs> Escobar, like Luis Urias. Like no one yeah. knows who these are, right? I know. Pitching right, three stars: Woodruff, Burns, and and uh, and then you know you throw in Lure in there too. Like he's a good pitcher. You got Peralta, and then you close off with an eighth inning with Devin Williams, and then shut it down with Hater in the ninth. Like, yeah, their their team looks deadly for sure. (laughs) It's a team I don't want to play in October if I'm a National League team. So you can be scared of the Giants and the Dodgers, and that's all expected. But I don't want to play Milwaukee. Hell no. Yeah. and I absolutely agree, uh, you know, sticking with Milwaukee for a second, like they, they have the pitching, but like you said, they've been the one thing in the beginning of the year. And I was talking about this. I always looked at whoever came out of the central because at the time it was too early. Um, like the brewers were actually still not taking over at that point. Um, yeah. the last time I talked about this, um, you know, their offense, I was thinking like they, they've been inconsistent over the years where their pitching has been really good, but then they go through stretches where they don't score enough runs. And when you get to October, it doesn't matter how good your pitching is if you're not scoring. So they, they might be losing some close games. Also your bullpen doesn't matter if you're losing when, they, when you get yeah. to the eighth and the ninth and things like that. So, um, you know, there's, there was those things that were concerned, but the, the thing that I've seen recently is uh, their offenses seems pretty consistent all of a sudden. So it's like, okay, right. like here comes the Brewers. Like they're pitching, they're starting pitching is deadly. Like in a short series, I do not want to play the Brewers. Uh, right. So, the, so, so, you know, when you obviously that whoever comes out of the West is going to be the one seed and then whoever, like, mm-hmm. you know, the Dodgers or, or Giants, if they survive their wildcard game, whoever was in it, uh, would also stay away from the Brewers. So I bet they're very happy about that because they would just play each other and beat each other up. Um, you know, the, the Braves are probably a little worried that they got to possibly go to Milwaukee, um, you know, seeing as how, and, and that's even if the Braves have won it, because I've said this before all year, it seems like nobody wants to win the NL East. Uh, so we'll see who yeah. survives. The Mets might jump. Phillies, like Mets, Phillies. I mean, they could jump up and grab it too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was watching the last night, and they, you know, they lost to Colorado, lost the series to the Rockies. So yeah, you know, yeah, it's but definitely. That is, uh, I wanted to say something because you were talking about how Milwaukee, through the years, has always gone through offensive stretches towards the end of the year where they just can't. They get three hits like a game. Yeah, and difference this year. And I know this will get a lot more exemplified like when you get to the postseason because, you know, it starts becoming more game by game basis. But yeah. it seems a lot this year. They're losing five to one. And I check in the eighth and ninth inning, they put up like seven runs like yeah. to come 
win the game. Like they're just a special team, man. I just, yeah, I've never seen a lot of the Brewers, you know, like when the Sox sucked, my dad was always excited about the Brewers and then the playoffs and I would too, but you know, and I watched them, but to see them 35 games over 500 with that pitching staff and that bullpen, I just, I can't imagine being the Dodgers or Giants with 97 wins or right or whatever they got right now and being yeah. scared of yeah. Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm sure they, I'm sure I mean, they're just worried about winning whoever wins the division. But at yeah, the same yeah. time, it's just like I'm sure there's somebody in the coaching staff or the management, whoever is looking at They're They're probably like, oh, man, I hope that uh, Milwaukee gets upset in that first round because <laughs> I don't want to play them. Because the thing is, it's like you, you called it. They they don't have just three pitchers. They have four pitchers that you got to worry about. So they're very good in a seven game series as well. Uh, so you mm-hmm. got and, and like in that bullpen, like we all know bullpens are one of the biggest reasons why you win in October. So they, they have one of the best at this point, um, especially in the back, the back end, um, you know, and, and going back to Toronto. Yeah. Uh, when you, whenever you score 44 runs in three games, your offense <laughs> is pretty scary, <laughs> like, you know, and then and the other, they hit, they hit um, when the, when they played against Baltimore or whatever, they had like the double headers and stuff. Yeah. I think in three games, same thing. They hit like 12 home runs. Like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's things that I wish that I was seeing from the White Sox at this point in the season. They still have some time to to get hot. I'm still waiting for it because I'm a little worried that they're just kind of walking to the end here. But Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like that doesn't always work out for teams. But there have been some teams like the Cardinals, also coached by Tony LaRusso, that seem to walk into a wild card spot. And then or actually, I think they won a division that year as one of the weak divisions. Uh, and they they ended up winning the World Series out of nowhere. Um, yeah, the know, year so. before I think they went to the Wild Card. They went to the NLCS, I think, and they lost. So yeah, yeah. but but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like you know they they have those things going on. But uh, you know I look at uh, I look at Toronto as a team that uh, if they if they make the playoffs, they're throwing Robbie Ray in that Wild Card. Yeah, you know, absolutely. they're going to be tough to beat. Uh, and then they're going to play most likely the Rays and they play each other all the time and have shown that they could beat them. So I could very easily see Toronto making it to the ALCS if they make the playoffs, you know, yeah. it, it, obviously it won't be easy, but Toronto and the ALCS, then you got to be like, okay, um, what's going to hold them back? Like you said, the bullpen, but uh, you know, say the White Sox are the team that makes it or, you know, like, they have flaws too. So that could be an insane series if we get like White Sox, Blue Jays or something. I almost don't want the Blue Jays to make it that far for a chance for the White Sox to make a run. Um, you know, granted, Tampa Bay is a really good team, but I would rather see them at this point. You know, I feel like the Sox yeah. kind of handled them a little bit this year. Um, well, that's another thing too is, I mean, I, I agree to a certain extent, but at the same time, I think I would like to see Toronto only because I don't want to see Tampa Bay just because we just don't have, like, we don't match up well against Tampa Bay. I never felt comfortable. I went to one, I went to the Saturday game um, when Keuchel pitched that kind of started his like downward spiral. Um, But it didn't feel like we matched up well against them. And I always felt good against Toronto. I mean, I know Toronto could hit it. Right. But if, we make the playoffs and whatever this, when this drops and, you know, if things stay stand, right. We're going to be playing Houston in the first round, which yeah. is kind of like Toronto, right? Yeah. A little bit like Toronto. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't want to see Toronto if they get hot, yeah. but I rather have them than Tampa Bay because, you know, Tampa, it's like, they don't have the guys, but they somehow make it work. And I just, I don't know. 
And last time, last time we were in the playoffs, 2008, they bounced us. So yeah, that is true. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That is true. And the one thing that I have to say is that I don't like the prospect of the White Sox playing any of those road games. I mean, they at least did okay in Toronto. So to your point there, maybe I feel more comfortable with them being on the road for those road games. Um, and the White Sox would would have home field as well if they played Toronto. Like, you know, if everything holds the way it is um, at the time of this recording, which uh, we're recording on September 16th. But the, you know, the, the, the one thing is like Houston. Like if the Sox don't end up getting home field there, I do not like them going to Houston for the first two games of a division series. Like I, I just think the Sox struggle like the defensively somehow they don't do good. Like. Uh, that they, they yeah. misplay balls off the wall, like fly balls, like they don't know what they're doing. I know their their lineup would be a little bit more steady than what we've seen, where it's just like a different lineup all the time to to rest guys at this point. But you know, still, I, I just uh, I'm not feeling confident about the, about those types of things. And actually, I wanted to get to that now because uh, you know I want to get to your confidence level for a deep postseason run for the White Sox. Um, you know, it, if they if they have postseason success potential world series birth or even a title. What do you think is going to be the biggest reason that they were able to, to get hot and, and, and get all their facets working? Because as we all know, uh, you look at their bullpen on paper, it should be better than it's been. They, they blow way too many saves still. Um, and then when you look at their lineup, uh, if they, if everybody get, it starts to do well at the same time, it's one of the best lineups in baseball. Um, you know, it's just the problem. It's like right now, you know, Jimenez started okay. You can tell his timing's not there. Robert's doing really good. And Tim Anderson was injured, so so he's got to get back into timing. There's all these little things like that. And then and then our starters like Keuchel's been terrible, and and that's a little concerning. And then uh, you know, Cease is like he's going to be the best pitcher, or he's going to be the worst pitcher. It seems on games. And you know, yeah. Giolito hasn't been as lights out as he's been in the past either. So I mean, what what do you think that? You know, when you look at it, which of those things that I just talked about correcting is more important? Uh, well, I think um, for the first thing that I think is most important, and I've noticed this a lot lately, and I don't know if it's just we're going through the motions, kind of like you said, and that there's no real like lack of urgency in us right now. Yeah. But it's the offense, right? Runners in scoring position. I cannot stand this. I wish they had a stat on this, on how many times we've had runners on third base with less than two outs and strike out every damn time, every time yeah. they strike out. Yeah. So that, that is something that they need to work on is running and scoring run, runners in scoring position, hitting the ball, at least putting it in play. Give me something situational yeah. off. That is what they're struggling with heavily. You know, the they, pit, no, go ahead. I was going to say, just to add to that, I see yeah. that all the time. <laughs> it's one of my biggest pet peeves as well. I mean, th- that's how they've lost extra inning games by not scoring a run. <laughs> it's like, well, like you have a free runner on second. How are you not getting him in, in to score? Like, yeah. They'll be on the road and they'll just somehow not bring them home. The other day against the Angels, they had a runner on third, less than two outs. Just hit a sacrifice fly. Like, why can't they hit sacrifice flies? You know, we could we could probably rant about that for like hours. Like, I just don't understand it how they're not playing, you know, normal base. It's like these are fundamental baseball things. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you have a great team in October. You better be doing that. You better be sacrifice button guys and things like that because that you're going to be going up against some good pitching staffs. You got to manufacture runs. You know. 
that's and that's what I don't understand. Like I get it. I love the White Sox. I love this offense. Like this is who we. This is the team I want. But I just cannot fathom how we start some innings with lead off doubles, and it's like like now guys are coming up trying to hit a two run bomb. Like yeah. you're bringing up the other night. That was the ninth inning, right? Yeah. Leary gets that field single, makes it first and third, and Goodwin comes up and he's swinging for the center field fence. Like yeah. all I need to do is just put wood on ball. That's all you need to do. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, I don't care if he gets thrown out at home. At least put the ball in play because I can't take strikeouts. Sheets is the same way. He loves those. Like this is the home run derby when yeah. it comes up the. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that that has got to change the bullpen and stuff. I'm not like the pitching is worrisome. Right, the holds the the bullpen's got to work on holds and save opportunities, and the pitching has got to work on the first three innings of a game, yeah. um, kind of getting that 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 rhythm, that command. Um, but I think those things will come. You know, like Lynn's a good pitcher, Giolito's a good pitcher. Rodon's a good pitcher. And like, I know people are worried about the Kimbrell in the eighth inning thing, but like, let's be honest. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. And when October rolls around, you think Kimbrell's going to be blowing saves or, or hold opportunities for Hendricks? Like, I just don't, I don't see it. So I'm not worried about the bullpen and the pitching. I know that will come around. Those are veteran guys. But yeah. what worries me is the offense, right? Because yeah. we're not showing we can hit runners in scoring position now. What do you think what happens when, you know, Tampa unloads their bullpen on us? Yeah. Or say and, we were to get to the World Series and play the Brewers. You think yeah. they're getting hits off of Devin Williams and Hader later yeah. on in the game? Probably oh, not. <laughs> no, not a chance. And, and and that's just manufacturing runs. And, and also, like, it's not even – sometimes uh, there's specific guys that aren't good in runners in scoring position. Like, Vaughn has been terrible all year, and I know he's a rookie. But it's like – also, it's like, what's he trying to do? Like – just put the ball in play, man. Like, even if you move the guy over, you did your job. Like, they're not even doing that. Like, and that's that that is very worrisome because that yeah. seems like something you should have been doing since spring training, you know? Like after pitching the choir the other night, I was yelling, I was yelling at the wife too. Same thing. I was like, I just don't understand how you can't put the ball in play. I don't get it. It's not <laughs> like that's all we need. I'll even take a fly ball, like a ground ball the other side, but I just they just and it's not even just we're talking about uh what is that? Wednesday night like it's not even just Wednesday night like it's often it happens yeah. often so and throughout I, the game like, too it wasn't even just that ninth inning they, they, you don't know how many times yeah. I see bases loaded one out second and third one out and they don't score any runs right. and I'm just like this excited. is insane yeah. <laughs> right. well, bases loaded no one out I'm not even excited anymore because I'm like here comes a strikeout and then a double play after that that's another thing double plays they hit into yeah. they, they got I think they hit into like five today <laughs> like every time yeah. they had a chance of rally you know tough. Yeah. And it's like, we see what the offense can do too. And it's just like, do they not understand that if they start manufacturing these runs uh, and then also do the other things that they've been doing, like they might be scoring 10 runs a game. Like, you know, like, like, yeah, right. you know, it's just, it, once it you get to the postseason too, like, it's like, you're not going to be hitting 15 home runs a game. Like you're playing better teams, you know, yeah. maybe you have one game like that, but yeah, if they play Tampa Bay, we know how they play. They, they, they'll take their starter out in the second inning and just throw a bunch of arms at you for the rest of the game so you don't have time yep. to kind of catch up and figure things out. Uh, you know, like if you right. thought you were getting the timing down against one pitcher, they put in a different pitcher. So if you're not manufacturing runs, you're not going to score a lot. Like, And if they're only scoring great- one, two runs, to, pff, they're not going to go far. You know, like... I mean, that's, that's a great point, right? Is that's what Tampa, that's their formula, right? We're going to throw our starter for three innings, but after that, you're not going to see the same pitcher twice through the line, right? You're going to see him one time. I'll go through the lineup and that's it. 
So yeah. you never really get a chance to adjust. And that's what worries me. They don't feel like a team that can adjust on the fly or like whenever we need the big hits later in, later in the games, like all their runs come in the first five innings against the starter. Once the other team's bullpen comes in the game, it's like, you know, a double here, a single there, a duck snort there, but it's like no kind of rhythm, no kind of consistent basis. Yeah. And so, but when you're talking about October, that was another thing I wanted to say, and because you brought it up was defense, right? We yeah. got to stop throwing the ball all over the place. And, and another thing is, is, the the errors i mean is throwing decisions right three errors today they made that cost us five runs yeah so you can't be doing that in october i mean Mikado, like i don't know how much more time or how many shuffles you need at third base to make the throw to a brave's chest but i'm tired of seeing the ball in the dirt every single yeah. time you beat the dirt so the yeah. defense has got to take them out then you know larusa has got to put out the best nine and it was not doing that for rest for the rest issues now but you know, these guys got to get going before the before post. We can't just like show up game one and like expect everything to go well. Yeah, exactly. And the, and and I again, that's why I'm worried about the end of the season because uh, I feel like that I understand the importance of it, especially for pitchers. Like, make sure you know Rodon only threw forty something innings, like you know, in a season before. So like, you know, getting him some rest so that his shoulders strong. Uh, you know, making sure Lynn's knees is uh, good to go and, and Giolito doesn't have any more like hamstring type issues. All that's important. Uh, mixing in bullpen guys that we're probably not going to use in October is also I took completely understand that you don't want to blow out Hendricks or Kimbrell before the games really are going to get amped up. Uh, but at the same time, when it comes to hitting, like I'm just like, like, I understand like Grandal's going to need some rest. You can't have him play every game, but the bottom of the order in some of these lineups that Larusa puts out are some of the worst bottoms of the order that I've ever seen. Like I'll look at these lineups and I'll be like, well, there's three out one, two, three innings, like multiple times, like, you know, and that, it, it yeah, happens like, all the time. You know, it's like today it's like, it's like, okay, you threw out Romy Gonzalez and then you had like, you know, Zach Collins in there. Not sure why we brought him back up. Cause it's just like, I know Sebi Zavala isn't like, like batting 300 going nuts, but he's a better defensive catcher. And he at least showed that he can hit sometimes like it's Collins just seems useless at this point. So I'm not sure. That's another thing. Like I know we're preparing to go to the postseason, but you send down Sebi and you bring up Zach, that dude's swinging an icicle. <laughs> like how are you put him in the lineup? Like, I, I don't know. Like, and that's yeah. a lot of things we said. He comes out with these lineups and I'm looking, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, damn, we look good. And then we get like, Goodwin, Collins, like Cesar Hernandez. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I love yeah. Hernandez, but that guy can't hit either. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know the thing with Hernandez and, and, uh, you know, my brother Michael actually said this. He's like, he hit all his home runs for Cleveland. He's not going to hit many for us. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of knew that because he already hit 20. It's yeah. like a career high. Like, he's hit like what, one, I think, for the Sox. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem yeah. with him is I'm just like, the thing with Hernandez is I'm like, okay, you're batting ninth in the order and we know you're a good bunter. Like you butt great. I want to see him bunting more like the other day. Like, it's like, he's striking out. It's like, if you bunted the game's tied, like no one was going to play you on that. Like on one of your great bunts that you put in. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, I, I, that's another thing I'd like to see Tony amp up a little bit. And I, I don't know if it is cause we're just going through the motions or just kind of like trying to just do what we can to get to October. But like, more situational, right? Why are we not like Anderson could go grab a bag, Robert could go grab a bag, like yeah. you know, Leary sometimes I'd like to see us bunt a lot more instead of like we're so very like dependent on like moving base by base by base, like yeah. from hit. You know, yeah. sometimes you gotta make up a little bit, like let 
let's let Robert go grab a bag and let Caesar drop one down or, you know, and then maybe we're not striking out with runners on third and one out anymore. You know, maybe now it gets things going. Guys start seeing the ball better. I don't know, but I'd yeah. like to see that. I'm totally just seeing a double and then just like, let's let everybody hit and see what happens. Like that's not how you play baseball. We'll see what happens, but the way I look at it, a lot of those other teams that we talked about, I see them doing those things, and that's kind of what concerns me. <laughs> you know, I feel like those teams seem to be ready to make runs. Like, you, you think the Brewers are not going to be manufacturing runs? Like, they know what they're doing. Craig yeah. Council knows how to get those guys ready to go. Like, yeah. it's just, you know, Toronto yeah. putting up crazy numbers. Like, they seem to, to come through when they need it. And I feel like mm-hmm. even some of the teams that the Sox should beat, come through when they need it. They get the two out hit the two out base hit, or they get the sacrifice fly. The Sox got to start learning from those things and doing that because I literally think that that's going to be the difference between them winning the championship and them uh, going home early. Like, I think it's that simple. Yeah. And, and I just, I mean, like you were talking about council and, you know, Kevin cash and Tampa, like those guys find a way to manufacture runs because that is how you win in October. Right. And I don't see, like I get Tony's a genius and I'll like agree with anybody on that. I really do. I mean, I think he's a, he's a great manager, but he's a very like pitching orientated manager. Like that's how we win baseball is by pitching. Right. But when the bullpen's not there, like you've seen this year, we need the hits or we need to find a way to score. And and he's not very good at at doing right. Manufacturing the runs that we need, but also like, here's a question I have for you, honestly. Okay. How would, feel because Keiko, right like we can't roll with him in october right now yeah so how would you feel about moving Kopak from the bullpen to, to a starter because that's what's going to happen next year so why don't we yeah. just do it in october yeah so i mean i i, I thought that that was going to be a thing in the beginning of the year that happened um but yeah. it became it became apparent that uh they really wanted to control his innings this year because he just came off yeah. that injury so i personally don't see it happening um, I can totally see him slipping into a role where we start him and he pitches right. three, four innings, and then we go to the bullpen. I definitely mm-hmm. see that. And I would be fine with that. I think that that would be a great strategy. And I kind of hope that maybe they do something like that because I don't know, like, it, you know, Kopech had a couple of bad games, but I don't know if like when you notice his good games, he's really good. And if you get him some rhythm out there and he gets some more inning, I mean, the last couple of times, I know he gave up a homer the other night, but, you know, those things happen. He looked really good the last couple of times against, you know, some decent hitting teams. You know, the Angels aren't like completely inept. Like they have some hitters, obviously, with Otani and those guys. But, you know, it's just, you know, Boston has a great lineup and Kopech made them look like bums. <laughs> like, he, he, they, they had no idea what was coming. Like he, he looked great and he went out for multiple innings too. Like, so I, it, on the, on a, and he pitched the day before that too. So it was nice to see that. So I think that they can yeah. totally, especially in a short series, throw Kobe back for a couple of innings. I mean, the thing with Keigel is I don't trust him at all um, to come in and get you a lot. They might need to use him as a starter. Cause like, is he really going to be a bullpen guy? You know what I mean? Like they have to find yeah. a spot for him. He's making 20 million. So he's not going anywhere anytime soon. They can't just like not roster him. So uh, I can see them throwing Keigel for two, three innings and then maybe bringing in Kopech for two, three innings. I can see that being something that happens. Um, I could definitely see them not throwing Keigel in that first series though at all. Uh, I'm not sure who they're going to put number one. 
at this point, I would hope it's Lynn because I think he's the best pitcher on the staff at this point. Um, and then, and then Rodon is really good, but you can throw Geely. I don't like, you know, either you're not really going to go wrong, but you know, it's going to be Lynn Geely to Rodon in whatever order they decide to go with. Um, and then it's like, uh, if you get to a fourth game in a division series, depending on, on like, do they want someone going on short rest? Maybe if they're losing the series at that point, but if they're winning the series, um, you know, do they throw a Dylan cease in game four or do they do go Keuchel in game four? Like, those are a lot of questions. Um, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I personally think that everybody's going to have a short lease leash in the playoffs. So they're really going to need uh, Lynn Rodon and Giolito to not like be done after like, you know, they they're, they're going to need at least five innings, five strong innings out of those guys. Cause otherwise their bullpen will get taxed in a series, especially if it has to go the distance, you know? Um, and I think Cope, like to, to your point of Kopech, I think he actually could be a huge help if he can come in and uh, spell like sit because uh, in a lot of games, Keiko will be okay for three innings and then he blows up in the fourth and the fifth inning. Yeah. So if yeah. he throws three innings and you're like, you know what, let's go to Kopech now. Uh, suddenly that changes things in that start uh, because you just had Keiko, who's a pitch to contact hitter, throw sinkers, you know, like he's not really going to strike a lot of guys out. And now all of a sudden you're seeing like 99, hundred crazy movement on sliders from Kopech. Like hitters will be very messed up timing wise at that point. They could be a, like a, almost a deadly combo. Um, and the, the same thing goes with, with cease. If you notice cease in a lot of the games, he struggled. It's one inning. So if you can have him go as long as he can go, and then as soon as he gets into trouble, you're like, okay, Cease, we're taking you out. We're not letting you give up 10 runs in this inning, and we'll bring in a Kopech, uh, you know, like to, to spell you at this point if, if, you know, it works out like that. That could also be a deadly combo. Um, I, you know, I know they're both pitchers that have a pretty good fastball and they have movement on a bunch of pitches, but uh, – I still think it'll be hard for guys to, to timing wise to, to sort of adjust to those pitching changes and it could help those socks in that, in that sense. So, I mean, that, that yeah. does go to our point. I think their pitching will be fine. I think that the reason they lose is going to be because they're leaving runners on third, less than two outs. I think that's going to be the biggest reason why they don't win a series, you know, in the post in October. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that, that, that will definitely, like you said, pitching will be fine. But it's a little bit why I asked you is because I thought like, you know, now it seems kind of like pointless, right? Like what good does it really do for Kopech to come pitch the sixth and the seventh and a little bit of the eighth? Like that's not really helping us right now, you know, and I'd like, I kind of want to see what you, I'd love to see Dallas go two innings. I think if he goes two innings, we could get two out of him and that'd be fine. That's all I can ask for out of him because it seems like once you start getting into the fourth or fifth with him and these guys start coming a second time around, like that's when he gets teed off. Yeah. So I'd love to see two out of out of DK and then maybe bring in Kopech, right? Change up the speeds. Yeah. And you let Kopech ride maybe three or four innings, bring Crochet in after that. Like yeah. Yeah. Dude. And then you got that's what it. I'm so many arms, so much to play with. I'd like to see Tony yeah. like ride it out a little bit more. Like I don't I don't like to see Dallas. He pitched six a hundred and like twelve pitches the other night. I don't want that. Yeah, I know. I don't want that either. <laughs> you, you, you're just waiting for the bad inning to happen. Right. Because uh, he's, again, he's a pitch to contact it. Or so if people got his t- timing down, I think that's what's been killing him. I, mean, I don't know if he's tipping his pitches or 
he's missing he's definitely walking more guys than he used to so i think that's a big zero problem with them too that's zero command no so command it, and you I've can't have seen. you can't have no command as a as a pitch to contact yeah. hitter you need to hit your locations because that's the point you change your speeds and you hit your locations to throw the hitter off so the hitter never has timing so all the contact he makes is weak it's a ground ball it's a pop up or a lazy fly ball and th- like that's when Keuchel is his best and, uh, you know, you just the very like nip at the zone type of guy. Right. But now yeah. lately he was a little better last night, but lately it's like either it's a ball, like a change up way off the outside corner, or he throws a sinker that doesn't sink or a cutter that doesn't cut. And it gets yeah. hammered to the, the hot dog stand in the concourse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, even if he corrects things at this point, I don't see him and, and doing yeah. He's definitely not going to be asked to go five six in, the, in any postseason game. Like I said, we right. can we, we can literally talk about about those flaws forever. I mean, it's uh, I'm not going to say like oh like I'm only going to talk bad about the Sox or whatever. Like I love the Sox. I, I've been having a lot of fun this year. Um, the yeah. reason why I'm critiquing them like this is because I'm into the games, watching all the games, and, and uh, like uh, I do have confidence that if they manufacture runs that their team is definitely good enough to win the world series, but it's just, uh, and, and I'm enjoying the ride and all of that. But the thing is, is again, like when you're into a team and you're excited about winning in the playoffs and everything, you're going to critique a little bit, uh, those little things that you would like changed. And you're definitely going to bitch about the things that you've seen throughout the year that you're just like, why do you keep doing this? Like it's been months now and you're still doing the same things. Like, you know, I mean, I agree, right? I mean, we haven't seen, I mean, aside from last year, the COVID year, I mean, I still like to say that doesn't really count. So if you think about it, I mean, we haven't seen the playoffs in 13 years, right? So I've watched other teams. I know that it's just the little the little stuff that, that slips all these teams up. Like a lot of the times with the Dodgers, how many years in a row they could have won it, but yeah. the little slipped them up. And you're right. I mean, it's human nature for us to care so much, right? Because you want to get those things cleaned up because I know for a fact this team could win the World Series for a fact. Yeah, but clean up the little things, like you said, and that's that's most important. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be fun to see. Uh, you know, by the time you guys are rec- uh, listening to this, it'll be fun to see where where all the races are, and uh, you know who's clinching and all that. And and then obviously for the playoffs, I, I'm I'm excited. You know, um, barring some sort of horrific nightmare, the Sox should be there. And uh, um, I'm just excited to see fans in the stands and and just to to sort of see that actual playoff atmosphere that wasn't really there last year. And, uh, you know, just to see the, like, just how every pitch, like your heart is like pumping, you know, that's like so much fun. And we've gotten glimpses, you know, that Tampa Bay series earlier in the year of the Boston series like this, um, recently, all the field of dreams game was just like, I mean, it was like a movie ending. That was amazing. But like, the, it was just we've gotten those glimpses of like what it is. It's still not even close to what it's going to be. Uh, as a fan watching in the playoffs, like when your team's in it, it's really amazing. Um, you know, it, it's it's just at like every pitch, every pitch, you're just like, oh man. Especially as it gets later in the game, depending on what the score is, the situations. Um, it, it, I'm I'm jacked. I'm excited for it, and I know I'm sure you are too. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm pumped up, Anthony. I can't wait to. 
Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And this is actually a great time too for for anyone in the sports. There's so many things going on right now. I'm so I'm so excited about that. Like, uh, like I feel like every time I, I'm done watching something, there's something else to watch, and that's exciting. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So, um, I mean, for sure. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it was awesome, awesome to talk a little bit here. Um, it's always fun to talk some some sports with a fellow sports fan, catch up a little bit. Um, you know, talk about your your college. Uh, time and all that uh, some good stories there um you know and uh, maybe we should definitely do this again maybe next time you you can give everybody your uh, your secrets to picking that right bet because i know you're you're probably rolling in those those bills with all those bets you know how to get right like <laughs> yeah well <laughs> thanks for having me i appreciate it um i always like i told you i always wanted to come on so for sure we'll do it again yeah next time you could do a little pick central i'll give you a few picks for the nfl but um, but yeah, no, I had a great time, man. I appreciate you having me on for sure. We'll do it again. Hopefully after the Sox win a world series. Huh? Yeah, for sure, man. So th- thanks to everyone who has uh, been listening and supporting the sun-dried tomatoes podcast and YouTube channel. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed and downloaded the podcast, uh, and the, to, to anyone that's sub- uh, subscribed to my YouTube channel, checked out some of those shows. Uh, this wouldn't be possible uh, with all your support. And I really do appreciate it. Thanks again to to Austin uh, for joining me this month and until next month salute